0: Welcome to
1: Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz and my co-host Rich Silver.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're listening to us. And welcome to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. I hope everybody is doing well out in the world of transmedia. Myself, I am busy working with best-selling novelist Michael Grant, creating the world of Berserk online and off. Uh, In a couple weeks, I hope you all visit GoBerserk.com. We're relaunching the website with a whole ton of new content. That is G-O-B-Z-R-K dot com. Check it out now. Today we are talking to noted comic book writer and music video director Alex DeCampi on digital publishing, Kickstarter, and all things in between. Maybe you should buy it. You should probably buy it. Uh,
2: my name's Alex DeCampi. I've been a writer pretty much all my life. I started off first non-fiction and um, some research technical writing and then gradually realized that I, I preferred to make things up, um, so I moved into fiction and screenwriting because um, uh is a, Stories in my mind always are a sequence of pictures rather than a sequence of words. I um, started writing comics in 2003, 2004, I guess. I uh, had a very successful first comic called Smoke. It was nominated for an Eisner. Um, I also, around the same time, uh, got involved in filmmaking, mostly thanks to a really disastrous script-doctoring uh, assignment with a with a producer who wanted to make a thriller, but had never actually watched a thriller in London. This was an experience. Um, And so I figured, you know, being slightly set up with with the way uh, writers can be treated in the film industry, I thought, I'll just direct, how hard can it be? And the answer is, not very hard, and quite hard indeed, at the same time. Um, And since then, I've gone on to do a whole bunch of music videos and commercials for, you know, mostly uh niche brands and uh alternative brands and indie musicians both in the u.s and uk uh so you might have heard of um amanda palmer um los campesinos uh, art group um uh, if you've heard of pixies i just did uh something two videos for uh black francis's new band uh, with violet clark grand duchy you know got a couple more things on the slate for next year um, that's me. So I, I try to make a living by writing graphic novels and directing music videos and commercials. I'm mostly successful at it, but we're still pretty broke.
0: How did you wind up uh, doing both, doing both graphic novels and the music videos?
2: I had lots of friends in bands. And when I said, "Do I want to start directing, they're like, great, do a music video for free on no money. And so I did about 20 of those because I learned slowly. And then had this wonderful revelation of I can actually ask for money to do this, and then life became much better. Um, I've always loved uh, you know movies. Uh, my my fondest memories as a child being sitting in front of the the tiny two screen theater in in Concord, Pennsylvania, where near where I grew up, and just the, the, the curtains would open and the silver screen would appear, and they could project anything, and I would be happy. Um, so I've I've always loved movies and. It was just sort of a matter of time before I realized that I actually, you know, what I really wanted to do was direct, uh, but it took me a little longer than it probably should have to get around to it.
0: And were you a avid comic book fan, or is it something you started doing in order to kind of realize your uh, cinematic vision?
2: The cinematic vision uh, didn't um, wasn't really a reason why I did it. I grew up reading X-Men and lots of bad DC fantasy comics because I was a bit of an RPG nerd. Um, if you remember a book called uh, Aryan Lord of Atlantis in the 80s, it was really terrible, but I really liked it because um, it was a bit D&D. And um, you know, go with my mom on a on a Saturday to spin a rack and in, in, in the dr- local drugstore, and I'd get a few comics, and that would shut me up for a while. Um, then I kind of dropped away from comics for a while when I grew up, and then. A friend of mine gave me a whole stack of comics. He was clearing out someone's locker in, 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 in the army base where they were. And there was this massive stack of, uh, this is in England, of 2000 ADs and some of the better Vertigo books from Vertigo's sadly rather past glory years. Um, and I just re- realized how much I loved comics uh, um, still. I got a subscription to 2000 AD, which is the British um, weekly science fiction fantasy uh, anthology comic, which is really, really good. Um, started reading more comics, made a bunch of friends who were into comics, and then started writing them myself.
1: How would you compare and contrast both forms of storytelling, comics and film?
2: Um, gosh, um, because I work in both, I try to do things in comics, that you can't do in film or you can't do easily because otherwise, you know, why not just make a film? Um, I do make life difficult for my artists with um, using lots of uh, directors and cinematographers shorthand. So, you know, my scripts are kind of written like a shot list. But, uh, you know, I try, to, I try to use, having the film outlet allows me to really use comics to the fullness of what the medium can achieve in some ways, both in terms of Uh, using pacing, um, you know, lots of panels on a page to slow the reader down, a splash page to surprise, or to sort of throw you out into space or use as an exclamation mark. Uh, A lot of formally innovative stuff in terms of how a page is illustrated or how a story is told that you couldn't necessarily do in film. I suppose the biggest difference, um, you know, I think the biggest way that you can think differently about comics and film is uh, is who is in, in control of time in which art form. Uh, in film, the director, is in, or you know, the film, the object itself, is in control of time. You know, Godfather is going to be about 180 minutes. You know. <laughs> it's not going to take you any less time to watch, it, unless you stop it midway through. It's not going to take you any more time to watch. You know, a scene progresses, a three-minute scene will always take three minutes when, when in, final, in the final cut. Uh, a comic page, you can look at it as long as you want. It's a bit like video games. You can just spend as long as you want in a particular space, going through it quite slowly to enjoy it or going through it quite quickly if you're really eager to find out what's going on on, on the, in the next page or the next game set or the next level or whatever um, so with comic books the reader is in control of time and as the creator uh, you can suggest how long it will take them to read a page uh, and you can influence how long it will take them in subtle ways but fundamentally it's up to them and so that's for me the main difference in the two.
0: How do you approach your uh, collaboration with your illustrators? Do you, do you have them stick pretty close to what you have on the page, or do you go back and forth? Is the relationship you have with them similar to uh, what a director of film might have with a cinematographer?
2: I, I think it's more, um, it's more equal in a way, just because it, it, uh, uh, the artist is really more like your co-director um, so they, they have a lot they can bring to the table. You give them a story, and you you tell them what you want expressed in each page, essentially. And, you know, I script fairly thoroughly, so I'm saying, you know, five panels on this page, this one's a big one, yada, yada. Um, but um, you have to be more open in, in, in collaboration in comics. You can't, I mean, it, it, you know, as a director, I'm very open as well, because I know that at the end of the day, it's my name on the film, so if anyone has good ideas, everyone will think they're mine anyway. So you know, even if like some PA comes up with a good idea, it's mine. Um, but uh, ultimately, as a director, you know, there are times when a cinematographer offers a choice and you're like, no, not really for these reasons. Can we go back to the other lighting scheme or the other angle or whatever, or the other lens? Yeah. Um, I think it's, you can't, if, you're, if, you're, if you're working 50-50 with an artist on an independent work, you can't really do that as much you can't really shut the door and be like no um you can try to persuade but you can't pull the I'm the director you do this thing which occasionally you, you have to do on a set can
1: you get into some stories uh, of your experience self-publishing comics
2: well I've, I only self-published starting with Valentine I mean I did some zines back in the old days with Kieran Gillen which any of the, if any of them are still knocking around again neither of us will ever eat, eat lunch in this town again um but um, I was, you know, published through IDW, Tokyopop, Pop, Humanoids. Uh, I've written issues and, and, and things for both Marvel and DC, and actually Dark Horse, that didn't find it to print because the book was canceled or the series was canceled or, or something weird happened. Um, so, you know, m- the majority of my experience has been with and through traditional publishing. And then I self-published Valentine, which is my digital comic, which did extremely well. Uh, it's uh, We have 10 episodes out of 24 out. It was released in 14 languages day and date for pretty much every digital format. It's free, and we've had pretty much... We've had nigh on 200,000 downloads. It might be a bit more, o- over 10 episodes. might be a bit more, but one of my distributors has kind of gone bust, and I can't get them to give me download figures. Last time I heard from them, it was like 60 or 70,000. I've got new download figures from Comixology, and we're at 111,000. And then there's the Kindle store stuff and the Nook and iBooks and whatever. Um, So that did really well. Unfortunately, I didn't think about it (laughs) very clearly. It's a a supernatural thriller. It starts off during Napoleon's retreat from Russia. Things go to other places very quickly. Um, Got a lot of great feedback on it. I, I didn't really think it through. Um, I kind of assumed that once we got to a lot of downloads, someone would step in and back us, or we'd find a publisher or something, that I, I wouldn't have to self-fund it, because I was paying the artist myself, writing it, organizing and paying all the translators myself, coding, exporting all the formats to, for all the readers and stuff. Um, however, the publishing industry seems to lag significantly behind what, what and how the readers consume content, which is a short way of saying... Yeah, no one really cared, <laughs> um, other than the readers, of course, who were who downloading us a lot. Um, you know, for example, we were at 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 an average of twenty thousand downloads per episode. We were doing better than ninety-five of the, the percent of the books that DC Vertigo sells on a monthly basis. Um, uh, I think what I did with Ashes, which is the current book, um, we just raised. $27,000 on Kickstarter met our funding goal yesterday at lunchtime with 12 days to go. Woo. Um, Congratulations. such a weight off my mind. It's a very stressful experience running a Kickstarter, especially for a lot of money. Um, I think the way we did ashes was a lot smarter, which is basically raising the money to pay for the book ahead of time. Cause I just suspend Valentine cause I lost my job and couldn't fund it anymore. Um, so we'll be raising money in the spring to relaunch it. Um, we've got 14 episodes to go. Um, Ashes, what we did is we raised all the money to create the book up front. Not a lot of money, just as assistance living for my artist. Um, he still owns 50% of the book, but he needs to eat and, and, and pay rent while he draws it, and it's going to take nearly a year to draw because it's a big, fat graphic novel. Um, and um, the people who pre-buy it, essentially, get, um, the, get the book serialized in chapters digitally via Comixology, um, and then when it's finished, they get a really lovely deluxe, limited edition hardback, only 1,000 copies to be printed ever. Um, and then, um, you know, sooner or later we expect someone to pick up the trade rights and then, um, you know, release a paperback or cheaper edition um, outside of the Kickstarter you know, in a year or two. Because right now, and after the Kickstarter closes, the only way you'll be able to get it is via the Kickstarter, which ends in 10 days, or via, like, 11 retailers who are participating and will be stocking fairly small amounts of it. Um, so that was that was that was a lot better way to do a self-published book than just kind of assume the industry would catch up with you,
0: <laughs> which is what I did with Valentine. Before we start picking your brain a little bit more about Kickstarter, I've got a question for you. It's that that's been sort of kicking around in my mind for a little while about comic books. When mm-hmm. you're writing a comic that that you know is going to be primarily delivered digitally, does that mm-hmm. alter the way that you um, approach the script? Do you put less panels? On a page, thinking that that people's devices, the screen might be smaller than the uh, um, you know eight and a half by eleven comic book.
2: Absolutely, yes, I do. Um, with Valentine, we delivered, we, we optimized it for phone screens. So we did a lot of really fun, innovative stuff. Um, it's panel by panel on your phone, um, and uh, it, it's you know from the feedback I've gotten, is a really wonderful, immersive, exciting experience. We didn't go anywhere near where we could have gone with digital comics with Valentine. There's so much more I wanted to do, but it would require significant funding in terms of actually having an app and some coding help, even though I actually now know the people who do the coding for me, which is a big help. Um, and I'm hoping that sooner or later someone will come along and be interested in me doing digital comics and be like, now make a really properly cutting-edge digital comic. And I'll be like, yes. And then everyone will be like, wow. Um, because, uh, yeah, we can do that. We can, you know, Valentine was such a learning experience. I know how far I can take it now, and it's way further than anyone has gone. While still respecting the reader is in control of time rather than crappy motion comics, which is which is like, you know, we're kind of an automatic, but not. <laughs> um, as for Ashes, which is a more traditional, you know, page book that's going to exist in both digital and, um, elect, uh, and print form, uh, we did, in fact, make the pages smaller for two reasons. Uh, one of which is it's a real fat little graphic novel, 252 pages. Some of it's painted, l- lovely little hardback. Uh, we brought it down to what's called a C-format paperback size in the UK. It's a standard UK fiction trade paperback size, um, about the size of a hardback or an airport edition or something like that. You know, a little bigger than the average you know paperback. Um, this. Let's us do two things. One of which is, if the book does go on to have a trade printing, it gives it a much stronger life in bookstores because they can rack its spine out and deal with it with their normal shelves, and maybe even rack it in like the the, the thriller or the, or the or the or the sci-fi department rather than in the comic ghetto where where you know, no one ever goes. Um, and we can pick up some more readers that way. That would also informed our cover design because we wanted the book more to look like a, a prose thriller than a comic book um also it means that will show up really well even on the cheap kindles
1: what do you think a interactive comic book could be in its best case scenario
2: um i don't know i don't know how much there's a lot of difficulty getting too close to a video game um a really interactive comic book is probably either a choose your own adventure book or a video game, and the choose-your-own-adventure book is basically an early, level, early version of, of, of you know the old DOS video games. Um, I think you, I, I shy away from having things where it's like you decide where the character goes, and there, there are like four different you know plots. Like, do you go through the door? Or do you save the girl? Because that really does feel gamey. Um, I think the interactivity comes from things like um, lending the book a greater feeling of atmosphere through tricks stolen wholeheartedly and wholesale from the video game industry, such as looped music, where, you know, if, you, if you're if you playing a video game and you stop for a bit and, like, you go make yourself a cup of tea and come back, the music doesn't stop. It kind of may vary a bit, but the, the environmental music for that particular part of the game just kind of keeps going in some sort of, like, background creepy way. Um, likewise, um, there are things which, you know, which I think we, you can get some movement into it, as long as it's looped movement to create atmosphere rather than movement of the character or something that forces you to read X balloon at X time. Cause that's just so irritating. I mean, the Valentine opens in a snowstorm. If I could have had the snow move, I would have had the snow move like candles flickering, smoke going up, things like that. Um, uh, more interesting transitions. We use a lot of film transitions in, in Valentine, a lot of fades and then wipes and, um, pans and then uh, up and down and stuff. Um, uh, I think um, clicking through to see sketch art is a really big thing. Um, starting off the page with no word balloons and you tap as and the balloons appear, you know, as you should read them, um, is another thing. People really enjoyed that in the beginning part of Valentine. Um, links to uh, things that inspire you, know, sort of a director's commentary where you talk about um, things that you. Um, uh, the historical background for particular sections, uh, the music that inspired you, the book that inspired you, where like a particular quote came from, you know, kind of like if you, if you could imagine the if you ever read Alan Moore's From Hell, like that's a book with with a buttload of footnotes. If you could just tap, but if if you were fin- when you're finished with a panel, if you could tap something unobtrusive on the side and like hotspots flashed up, and those would take you to the various footnotes. or give you pop-up footnotes. That would be so nice, rather than having to go back and forth between back and front, which is a pain. Um, yeah, there's so much more.
1: I saw some of the art from Valentine. It's uh, very beautiful, and and it seems like it could translate to international audience. And since you've already done have done the work to make it easier and make it more accessible, what has been your their reaction to the material? Um,
2: uh, the international auditions? We've done really well in some crazy places, and that was one of the reasons I made it free rather than um, 99 cents an issue from, from issue two onward, episode two onwards, so we did like a ton of downloads in China. <laughs> we have no marketing, okay? It's me. It's one unemployed chick, you know, who was doing it in the South Bronx, basically, originally, and now is doing it in, in the middle of New Hampshire. Um, we would get latched onto in the strangest places. Uh, we did really well in France, you know. Our Spanish language edition did great in the States and in Latin America, um, People like good stories, and I think, um, having lived outside the States for a long time, I know how frustrated non-English language speakers are, or even people who speak English language, but not as their first language. Um, I don't know if you speak any foreign languages, but, you know, I can read French, but when I'm tired, I don't want to read French. I want to read my native language. Um, It takes more concentration to read a foreign language. Um, uh, You know, foreign language readers get served years after the rest of us in terms of comic books and anything. And that's why, that's why there's a lot of piracy. If, if you make people wait a really long time for the movie or the book or whatever, they're just going to steal it. So we just decided, well, let's... Let, my guiding principle whenever I self-publish is do the thing... Do, do stuff as you would want to read it. You know, our end-user license agreement is take, read, enjoy. That's it. Um, we, um, you know, we give the book day and date when we can to, in all languages so everyone gets it at the same time. I mean, the whole foreign language thing is, is a real problem for the publishing industry. Um, you know, people, it's so difficult for people to get Spanish-language books on Kindle in America or on e-book stores. And it's, it's so frustrating because it's, it's like Amazon shooting itself in the foot. So many people speak Spanish in this country. My neighborhood in the South Bronx, 90% of um, the people that lived there were from the Dominican Republic or from Puerto Rico. Spanish was by far the biggest language. Um, uh, people from Latin America come to visit relatives in the state, basically for shopping expeditions. If they could buy a Kindle and then have it tied to, ha- have it able to download both English books and Spanish books from Kindle.es, uh, from Amazon.es, the Spanish, Amazon, new Spanish Amazon it would be amazing. But unfortunately, that's not something the publishing industry is ready to embrace right now.
0: And so you put Valentine out there as a uh, free download. Was it it monetized in in any way? Did you have sponsors on, on board?
2: No, we always thought we could get ads or sponsors or something like that. But once again, there was this issue of there is no infrastructure now of people to sell sponsorships or ads or anything like that for digital comics. It was we were we were too cutting edge. We were so cutting edge that no one could handle us except the readers, um, and it it was crazy because it's such a simple concept and it's just a digital comic that does a couple of innovative things, but doesn't really go that far with them because of lack of funding. Um, and it got popular, and we just you know we just didn't have anyone who could who could um, help us monetize it.
1: So we look at Kickstarter as an alternative to relying on uh, bureaucratic you know, uh, companies that you're going to have to pitch to, and there's always layers, but you really just want to get to the your readers, and that's the goal. I think that that startup expedites the process. What is some uh, practical advice to kicking ass on Kickstarter? Do's and don'ts.
2: Well, first of all, let me just say one thing on the publishing front. Um, people get confused with comic books and graphic novels. There are two hurdles you have to overcome. Um, with a comic with getting a comic book out there. The first is getting the book made. People often confuse this with publishing the book. It is actually two different things. Getting the book made is you know being able to support the artist in a fair and ethical way, you know, i e paying him or her because we all have rent um, to complete the book, and then the book gets completed on a timely and professional basis, and the artist is happy, so everybody wins. Um, then there's publishing the book. Right now, um, I can think of, Outside of the more literary publishers, um, comic book publishers, Pantheon, um, First, Second, a couple of others, um, and Vertigo, which is kind of its own mess, um, nobody gives page rates or advances for comic books. You're expected to finish the whole thing, and then you give it to them, and they decide to publish it or, or, or don't. So your first problem, even before you address the whole publisher thing, is unless you're one of... Probably about two dozen creators who are supported by Pantheon And, and um, uh, for a second. Uh, it's how to get your book made. Because no one's going to help you with that. No publisher will help you with that. It's up to you. Then you can either publish it yourself, which we decided to do with Ashes in a, in a deluxe way, as a, mainly because if people are going to give us that much money, we are damn sure going to give them a, a great reward and a great book package to, to, to say thank you. Um, Or you can then take your completed manuscript and take it around the houses. The only thing to watch out for when you're taking it around the houses is the new trend with with comic book publishers is they give you no money up front and no support in making the book, but they then then take 50% of the rights in the book. So you're giving up 50% of your uh, primary and secondary rights, so your, your film rights, you name it, in return for someone basically just calling up their printers, fronting the publishing money, and calling up Diamond Comic Distributors.
0: That's a vastly different model than traditional publishing. I couldn't imagine, um, yeah. like, a novelist that is a giving it a crappy deal, isn't
2: it? I mean, there, there are some good guys. There's some white hats in this. Image, image comics who, you know, you see their names in variety all the time, getting their books optioned, they don't take that 50%. They're like, hey, we'll publish your book and make money on the publishing. Wow. You know, everyone else, what happens is they get burned, like a Scott Pilgrim happens. And they realize they don't have 50% of the film rights. So someone in their business side goes, we have to have 50% of the film rights. This is now non-negotiable. And then like every creator after that is told they have to give up half their shit in return for no money and no help and limited marketing. And, and unfortunately, probably quite a grabby company in terms of people approaching them on the film side. I always say that a company that's grabby about rights to the creator is always grabby on the other side as well, looking for, you know, production credits and yada, yada, and like, you know, just just basically being a pain in the butt. Um, So, people, more and more people need to go to Kickstarter, if not to publish their book, uh, but to just get it made. Um, In terms of, what I would say, golly, um, it really depends on how much money you're trying to raise. We accidentally were the seventh most funded comic project on Kickstarter. I didn't realize that until a journalist told me, and I'm really glad I didn't know it when I started out because as soon as he told me, it was like, oh my god, I am so terrified now. I can't believe I'm asking for this. But you know, what our math breaks down to is we raised 27k. We're actually still raising money. We're still selling books. We're gonna, you know, the is open for another 10 days. People can go and buy a book for 30 bucks or a digital version for 15 or you know, spend lots of money like um, 100. Uh, uh, sorry, um, someone's waving at me in the background. Um, uh, they can um, send a lot of money, like 1200 bucks, and become a secondary character in the story. They can be written in with their likeness in their, in their character name. Um, I think with Kickstarter, it very much depends on whether you're a known creator or not. Oh, sorry, I didn't do my math. Um, I'm being thrown off here. Um, the math for us was 252-page book. Uh, Jimmy was getting $60 a page, which is a criminally low page rate. It's like lower than even the worst... Crappy comic book companies give you for for bad work for hire. Um, then we needed nine thousand to publish the book in hardback edition and mail it to people around the world. We have we had buyers from like everywhere, a lot of people in the UK, a lot of people in Asia, um, a lot of people in the US and Canada too, of course. Um, then we needed money to cover the Kickstarter fees and Amazon fees, which was another like three grand because they both take a big chunk. Um, so that was a big fundraise, and I think we were able to do it for a number of reasons. Um, I had a fairly good following from Smoke um, and from the other books I'd published, and again, Valentine, which which has been kind of a runaway success in reader terms, though 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 a disaster in financial terms. Um, I had a lot of friends in the industry who I've known for a long time who are kind enough, and, and Jimmy does too, um, kind enough to say things about us like you know, Howard Chaikin, Brian Talbot, um, Ed Brubaker, who's been really, really supportive. Andy Diggle, also. Um, he wrote *The Losers*, which was made into that great film. Um, Ed just had a couple books optioned. He gets books optioned all the time because he's fantastic. Um, you know, Mark wade has been great. Um, so we had we had big, cool friends who were like, "You should buy this book," and people did. Um, we also set our rewards very low. We made it good value. I mean, like I said, I'm really, really broke right now. So I couldn't, um, I couldn't really ask people to spend like fifty dollars and only get a book. That just seemed like too much money. I wanted to make this a very, a, a real no-brainer. Like they really felt like, wow, they're getting a lot for their thirty bucks. They get a serialized digital version and then they get the book, the hardback book, um, and then there, are of course more rewards. Um, so yeah, set your set your early reward tiers low. Get the book to them cheap. Um, post a lot of art. Uh, post as many quotes from. You know, big cool friends as you can, because that really, really helps. Update a lot. And then just spend four to six hours a day emailing retailers, tweeting, Facebooking, um, asking to be interviewed, um, you name it. Just, just continuing to, to, to tell people that your book is there. It's really important that the Kickstarter gets off to a good start. So be prepared to sit down the night you start your Kickstarter with your great video, all of your art, all of your quotes, everything that you've been preparing for like a month beforehand. Um, and write begging letters to your friends, like email everyone you know, and be like, please, 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 I'm terrified about this, please buy my book, and hopefully they will.
1: Um, yeah, it's not a cakewalk, you gotta really invest your time and energy.
2: It's a military cam- campaign, it's right up there with film funding in terms of things which aren't fun.
1: And on another end, you mentioned uh, film rights as the one of the incentives for uh, publishers, so the question is, do you think a comic has a better chance of getting optioned to be a film by going through a traditional publisher or doing a DIY style for digital?
2: It depends. I think um, if optioning is your only goal, you've kind of got a problem anyway, in that your story probably isn't that good. Um, you should first try to create the best book you possibly can, with the aim that it will sell a lot of books. That's the best way to get option. I don't really know what else to say other than that. There's a lot of cynical comic book writing where, like, I'm going to write this six-issue thing, and it's this genre that people haven't written about, and you know, then I'm going to, you know, try to option it to anyone, and you know, it's it's a terrible story, and it's derivative and horrible. And someone always does buy it, but they probably bought it for a grand, and you know, you, you can just see the ones that were failed screenplays; they they can see them a mile off.
1: That makes sense, and this connects to uh, my next question. In a recent interview, you said, "I think." If more comic publishers focus more on making the publishing side of their business work, unless I'm trying to do a land grab IP for future film deals, the comic industry might be in a better place. So if someone gave you money to create a publishing company, how would you run it?
2: I would start off with a digital anthology. I thought a lot about this, actually. Um, I start off with a a weekly digital anthology where uh, creators... uh, I'd actually offer, and I'd offer creators of a variety of deals, and be very upfront about it, like kind of like a Chinese menu sort of thing, where they could get no money up front, keep all their rights, um, and we'd publish the work, and you know split um, the publishing profits 50-50. Or they could have money up front, but they could give up some of their rights. You know, if I'm help, you know, if I'm paying them to live while they're making the book, then I get you know then I'd like some of the rights because because I'm investing in them and taking a, a great deal more financial risk. Um, We'd then uh, we'd, we'd have some awesome sort of bookshelf app that, that allowed us to you know, get everywhere, um, which would be uh, some sort of coding thing. I mean, I, again, I, I don't have a tech partner on this. I have some coding friends, and we haven't actually sat down at the pub and been like, "How are we going to make this thing work?" Then, as as the series were finished, um, we would publish them in print form and then also as a collected EPUB. So, you know, when when story A had run its course um, online. Uh, we'd then publish it as a traditional book and, and then have a collected Just Story A EPUB, whereas the online edition would be... Would be I suppose we'd have to start, start it off with, as EPUB as well because there's a lot going on with EPUB 3.0 that's much friendlier to images and interactivity and just generally more awesomeness than, than EPUB 2.0.
0: What's the market like uh, right now for traditional comic books? It, it, I, I could be totally mistaken on this, but it seems to me that that fans of comics and graphic novels still like to hold the actual printed piece in their hands over the uh, digital.
2: You'd be surprised. Um, it covers the entire spectrum. I've heard everything from um, I'll never buy another paper comic again to, I hate, to cartoonists saying I hate reading digitally. You know, I, I don't like any of the digital offerings from, from, the, you know, the, from the major digital comics distributors. Um, I think the problem with comics in general is it is a, the traditional mainstream tape comics is an aging thing. Um, it's a small niche, which failed to grow after it was taken out of places where people can accidentally encounter them, um, such as the drugstore Spinner Rack. Um, And it's been plowing deeper and deeper into a furrow for a long time. Um, It is very exclusionary towards uh, women, towards uh, people of color, towards people who aren't straight. Um, uh, It tends to be, you know, misogynistic and racist and homophobic um, at its worst points, which is a bummer because, like, it would be better if mainstream comics were awesome. And now that we have more digital distribution and you don't have to live near a comic shop – to, to access comics regularly, um, it would be, you know, it would be, they could enjoy this massive renaissance. I don't think it's gonna happen, though. I think things are gonna get a little better on the mainstream side for DC and Marvel, but I think they're gonna be eclipsed by, by new things. Um,
1: now you say uh, in your like, the ideal publishing situation, there would be digital comics to lead with the release, and then the second rollout would be the physical uh, comics. And I'd so basically
2: I do away with floppies. Um,
1: oh, so it would be graphic novels. So it would be all kind of like you would release the digital and then the graphic novel would follow?
2: Yes, but the digital would be a big, fat um, and, you know, uh, um, anthology of three or four stories. This is not a new idea what I'm proposing. It's how manga happens in Japan. Um, a lot of it's gone online now. Due to um, creators given being given really bad deals by by comics companies, so they then just stuck things online, and that became incredibly popular. Um, but traditionally, manga came in these giant, tele- like weekly telephone book-sized anthologies of stories. that were oriented towards particular groups. There were um, in, in very fine subgroups as well. There was stories for young girls, stories for teenagers, stories for young working women in their twenties. Stories for boys, you know. Stories for history buffs. Um, stories for people who like to cook. I kid you not. Iron Chef. It's great. Iron Chef John. Um, even if you don't like to cook, it's really entertaining. Um, Two thousand AD still works like this in, in, in the UK, but it's been it's been. Um, I don't think it has an online version yet. There's a new uh, kids comic, digital kids comic anthology called The Phoenix. that's come out in the UK. It's gorgeous. So what I'm proposing is really just an outgrowth of. The way people in different cu- cultures other than America like to consume comics. It, and remi- it, it, re- 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 it reminds having- me of
1: uh, vinyl, how you could really you could consume the digital music on the web, but there's still a strong demand for vinyl.
2: What we found with Ashes was that people love the convenience, and a lot of what I did with Ashes uh, was informed by my very close ties to the music industry and friends and bands. Because the music industry, as you suggest, has been dealing with this problem. the digital issue, for much, much, much longer than publishing. I mean, song downloads happened way before. Comics downloads were really more than a very fringe thing, you know, uh, uh, pirate um, uh, CBZ files and stuff on BitTorrent. Um, um, What seemed to work for indie bands and what seemed to work for Ashes was to offer, at the same time, the convenience of digital with the exclusivity of a deluxe object, i.e. an actual vinyl LP, you know, red vinyl, flaming lips, limited LP pressing or something like that, or a deluxe limited edition numbered book. They may never open it. They may not own a record player. They may just put it on their shelf and go, look, I've got this groovy thing, and they might only listen to the downloads, but they want the thing. And that's why I think people resent, and they want the thing at the same time as a digital download as well, and they want them to be a decent price. Um, so that's why I think that's why I really do think the future of, of digital and print is going to be tied together much more than people think um, it's very hard for publishing companies to wrap their brains around this but they're starting to uh, traditional publishing, uh, pro-publishing has, has really been behind the curve on this we've actually seen people like Marvel start selling um, issues of Spider-Man with digital download codes in it so you buy the paper issue, you get the free digital download that is the way forward you buy the hardback free digital download code, you've got both.
1: And then there's the freemium version, kind of what you said, where you reach a large audience because it's easy, there's no there's no friction because you're just merely consuming it, and then you build enough of a fan base, among them there's people that really want to give the gift version to their friends and family.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've had people come back and say, um, I've already bought Ashes, I'd like to buy four more for Christmas presents. Um, we've had retailers doubling and tripling their orders. Um, you know, people people like it, and we've also. Uh, this is an inter- interesting thing. Uh, my literary agent is. In t- we, we you know we did we did this big stunt, and I I fully admit it was a stunt um, of putting the trade rights for various countries. And the uh, film rights up on Kickstarter. Kickstarter was like, "Mm, those really can't be rewards because it's actually against our terms of service. And we were like, okay, we'll take them down. But we still mention them in the story. And we got a lot of attention for our little stunt over the first few days before Kickstarter was like, "Uh, no. Anyway, um, we never expected anyone to click a reward and get the film rights because there's a lot of contracting that needs to go on and they need to read the entire script and et cetera. Um, However, we are in talks. We get, we... We had two serious inquiries about the film. One of them is sort of still ongoing. The other one um, uh, uh, didn't pan out. Um, We are in talks uh, with a very, very prestigious French comic book publisher, possibly the most prestigious there is, which is kind of amazing for me, for the French rights for for the ashes trade. We're in talks with a UK publisher, and we're in talks with a Danish publisher. So we're already out of the gate, you know, Going to be in three different countries. We still have no U.S. publisher, ironically.
1: What are some of your future projects you're excited about, and also what projects of other people that you're a big fan of that you, you want to like talk about a little bit too?
2: Um, on the digital comics side, uh, Dan Goldman's done a ton with Red Light Properties. Um, that's a book that um, should go to film, and not because you know, and for the only reason that it's a really good book. It's it's a super it's sort of a psychedelic supernatural story. Uh, that takes place in um, miami, uh, the red light, red light properties is a, is a real estate agency which helps sell previously haunted houses. It figures out why they 're haunted, exercises the ghost, then sells the house and it 's this wonderful, really colorful um, story about miami and, and kind of noir with interesting and difficult characters. It could totally be an HBO series. Um, and Dan's also, you know, trying, like me, Dan was one of the early ones to start off in digital comics and, and sort of figure out about digital comics by doing and, and, and push the boundaries forward by, by trying things. Um, Mike Jasper and Nikki Smith um, from in, in Maps and Legends have also been really influential in digital comics and write a really great book. Um, what else should I tell you about? There's an amazing British comic book called Nelson, which is... Uh, it's. I don't like anthologies normally. Like if it's just a random bunch of stories of non-continuing stories kind of crammed together in a book, I just have no interest in it. But Nelson is the story of a of a of a girl over the course of I think about 50 years from her birth to uh, I, I guess 50 or 60 or something. And each year, like it's one day, um, in her life each year, like her birthday or something, and it's a different artist taking on each year and it's kind of like an exquisite corpse i don't know if you know that game where like you start you tell a paragraph of a story then the next person has to carry on with it then the next person has to carry on with it Um, and that's how they wrote the book and it doesn't have distribution in the states yet but yes nelson by blank slate books it's a really really lovely book um in terms of things i'm doing that i'm excited about um gosh i'm just thrilled to have ashes funded you know we never thought we'd we're really concerned we wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, the, the sort of books I write are the very sort of traditional, big um, graphic novels like V for Vendetta or Watchmen or, or, or Sandman or something like that. But, but they're kind of less trendy now in some ways, and um, there's no space for them. You know, Whereas Alan Moore got paid to write V for Vendetta and still got to keep most of his rights. Um, you know, you don't get paid to do this sort of stuff anymore. So it's a real, real struggle to get a, a big, complex, exciting book made. Um, and so we're just delighted that we've we've been funded and that we've in fact been overfunded and you, know, you can still buy the book. Um, I'm working on a story called... My next book, After Ashes, is uh, called Margaret the Damned. And it's a, a sort of a suburban horror story, a lot of female body horror. It's, it's, it's horror squarely from the female perspective, um, and from a very sort of slow, creeping, invasive body way, which I, I don't think you see a lot because horror tends to be written by men. Um, and so there's a lot of like stabby, stabby woman screams, whatever. But, you know, that's maybe not so exciting to women because we have things we're horrified about that would really creep you out. Um, so I'm working on that. That's a tough book. I I haven't gotten any of it. I'm not uh, 75 pages in of a, a 250, 300 page book. Um, and I haven't gotten much done during the Kickstarter campaign, because obviously I've been spending most of my time working on the Kickstarter. Um, yeah, I have to go to very dark places to actually sit down and write that book. Um, we're starting at Valentine again in the spring. I'll be doing a very small Kickstarter for that, hopefully just enough to get the first collected edition of the, the first eight episodes out. I, I need like $3,000 to pay for the painted cover and the 40-page bonus story, and then it's ready. And it'll be come out through Image Comics. Um, and if we get overfunded, we can have some more episodes. And um, if not, then hopefully the proceeds of um, from selling copies of the book will pay for some more episodes. Because we have 14 more episodes to go on Valentine, and I really want that to to, to come back to life. Because it's a, it's a book I love. It's it's much more mainstream than a lot of my work. I mean, you know, Ashes is very mainstream in a lot of ways. It has some great great big set piece action sequences. It's it's an edge of the seat thriller. Um, very twisty, turny, but it's you know it is very sophisticated as well. Um, I won't say Valentine is less sophisticated, but it is, it is it is a creature of somewhat simpler pleasures, though also a, a very twisty thriller. Um, then I have a book that uh, 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 one of the more literary publishers is interested in, but I have to do a rewrite. Um, actually, sit down and work on the script, and I've been putting that off because I need to get Margaret the Damned out of my head. It's, it's not so much of a book as it is a parasite. It needs to just leave that
1: sounds awful <laughs> that sounds good well thank you so much for your time this has been very
0: interesting
2: no problem it was delightful to be asked I hope I sounded alright
0: and how do people find you?
2: Um, twitter alexdecampi.com. Um I'm I'm a crazy Italian name so I'm going to spell it for you by a phonetic alphabet every Italian friend uh, alpha lima echo x-ray delta echo charlie alpha mike papa india DeCampi. Um, it's my Twitter handle and you can just look up Ashes on Kickstarter if you want to although I link to it about twice a day on my Twitter too and around like posting pictures of wall cats and, and, and strange and stuff like that
1: alright sounds good well you have a fantastic day
2: ok you
0: too bye bye
1: thank you bye. thanks for listening make sure to check out petercatskatz.net and richsilverman.com Sorry.